following is a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more information on Shore or our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. I imagine that many of you have probably seen the Jason Bourne movie trilogy. The Bourne Identity, The Bourne Supremacy, The Bourne Ultimatum. And you have at the beginning of those movies, the beginning of the first movie, this man who we really don't know much about him. He's been rescued from the sea and he's injured and he's got the code on him for a Swiss safe deposit box. And there's this mystery around what his identity is and who, who this guy is. Uh, he, he gets the name Jason Bourne and the movie unfolds and gradually he remembers a little bit more and more of who he was and his backstory. Things start to fall into place. And then as the second movie and the third movie unfold, the picture becomes a little bit clearer and we know more and more about Jason Bourne and, and his history and his family. But it's not until right at the end of that third movie that finally everything kind of falls into place and we know the full picture of who he is and, and where he's been and how he has become who he is today. Now I want to draw a very tenuous link between Jason Bourne and Isaiah because I think that in this passage we're looking at today, there's a little bit of a parallel here. We have in Isaiah 42 this character called the servant. And, and that's, that's his name. That's really all we know. He's the servant. He's the servant of the Lord. And a bit like Jason Bourne, he has this very mysterious kind of identity. We don't know too much about who this servant is. We're, we're told a few things and we know that he's a very significant sort of figure. He does some incredible things on behalf of God. Uh, but we don't know too much about him. He's, he's not, he doesn't have a, a name as such. And he's shrouded in mystery. And through Isaiah, there's several times where the servant is mentioned. And the picture starts to get a little bit clearer. And other details kind of come into focus. We know a bit more about him. But even at the end of the book of Isaiah, it's still not entirely clear who the servant is is, who the servant of the Lord represents. And so there was all this discussion and debate within Judaism at the time as to the identity of the servant. Who is the servant? Is it Israel? Uh, is it Isaiah? Is it just a single person? Is it two people? Uh, who, who, is, who is the servant? What's he going to do? And that question was, was unresolved for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's not until you get all the way to the New Testament that finally the identity of the servant becomes clear. And you have in, in Matthew's gospel, you get to Matthew chapter 12, and Matthew takes this whole passage in Isaiah 42, all four of these verses, and he plonks it right in the middle of his gospel. And he's saying to us, the servant that Isaiah talked about, this is Jesus. He is the one that you've read about and heard about for hundreds and hundreds of years. He couldn't make it any clearer. Jesus is the servant of the Lord. So as we come back and, and look at this passage in Isaiah, even though it was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, we can now read this in view of its fulfillment in Jesus. It's kind of like getting to the end of the, the Born trilogy and the, the identity of the servant becomes clear. We know this is talking about Jesus. And so we can look at the way in which Isaiah describes the servant and how that's fulfilled in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's how we're going to walk through the passage. So let's look at some of the details here in Isaiah 42. In verse 1, Isaiah says, and this is, this is God speaking, he says, This is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, 
in whom I delight. And that phrase, my chosen one, it links directly to the transfiguration of Jesus. That moment when Jesus is transformed in glory before his disciples, his appearance is changed, and the voice from heaven comes and says, this is my chosen one, listen to him. So directly, Jesus is connected there back to the servant, the chosen one of God. And then the next thing God says is, I will put my spirit on him. Well, that links directly to the baptism of Jesus. Jesus was baptized. He comes up out of the water and the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descends on him in the form of a dove. And this is a fulfillment of Isaiah, who has said the servant will come and God's spirit will rest upon him. And so Jesus, again, is fulfilling and connecting back to the role of the servant. In verse 2, God says he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. It reminds me of the way Jesus conducted himself through his trials, uh, leading right up to his execution, the way that he didn't become aggressive, he didn't become self-defensive, he didn't go on, on, the, on the attack, but he just humbly submitted himself to the will of God. Isaiah says in another place, like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. That's, like, that's who Jesus was uh, when he was on trial for his life, but he didn't become defensive, he simply entrusted himself to the will of God. He didn't cry out, didn't, didn't raise his voice, didn't clamor for attention. He's fulfilling the role of the servant. This is what the servant uh, has said he would always do. And then we get to verse 3, and, and this is the verse I really want us to focus on for the rest of our time this morning. It says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Some beautiful imagery there. And the pictures that Isaiah is giving us, two pictures there, the first is of, of a bruised reed. So you could think of a, of a willow reed. It's already delicate and swaying in the breeze. And then you could imagine a storm coming along and, and damaging that willow reed so that the willow is, is broken, it's bent, and it's just hanging there limp now. It's fragile, it's vulnerable. It's in danger of just being broken off completely and, and thrown away. And then the other image Isaiah gives us is a smouldering wick. It literally, those words say, a smouldering flax. And Isaiah there is referring to the, these oil lamps, a little bit like this one, that people used to use in, in ancient times. And the fuse or the wick for these lamps would often be made of flax. And they'd be, they'd be quite hard to, to get going. It was an oil-based lamp. And then when they were lit, even after being lit, they could easily go out. And so the picture is of, of this oil lamp with a wick. It's, it's gone down to maybe just an ember. It's almost been snuffed out. It's just smoldering away, struggling to, to get going. It's in danger of being snuffed out completely. That's the sort of picture that Isaiah is giving us. Those images, those two images, quite powerful, they describe people who are broken. They, they really describe people who are hurting people who are bruised by life, people who are wounded and, and struggling, people who are beaten down and, and worn down and, 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 and exhausted and depleted. And Isaiah is saying, the servant of the Lord is going to come. And he is not going to deal severely with those people. He's not going to deal harshly. He's not going to bring the hammer down on these people. He is going to deal with them in gentleness. He's going to deal with them in kindness. He's going to restore that bruised reed, not break it off. He's going, to, he's going to nurture it and help it to heal. He's not going to snuff out that smouldering wick. He's going to help to, to fan it back into, back into flame, back into life again. It's a picture of the way the servant would be characterized, not by, not by severity, not by harshness, but by mercy and compassion 
and gentleness. And isn't that exactly what we see in the life of Jesus? That Jesus comes as the servant of the Lord, and he doesn't come with, with harshness. He does have some harsh words to say at times, but he's, he's characterized by a spirit of gentleness. I think of the story of the woman who was caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Amazing example of exactly what Isaiah is talking about. You have this woman caught in adultery, and she's a sinful woman. She, she's done this terrible thing, and she's brought before the religious leaders, before the Pharisees, and the Pharisees say to Jesus, Jesus, the law says we should stone this woman, we should stone her to death. What do you think? And Jesus basically says, yeah, I, I agree with you. We, we should stone her to death. And so how about the one of you that is without sin throws the first stone? And there's silence. And gradually, these religious leaders start to slink away. The eldest first and down to the younger ones until no one's left. And Jesus comes to this woman and he says, Woman, who, who are those that condemn you? And she says, No one. And he says, Neither do I condemn you. Now, go in peace. Leave your life of sin. That's an amazing way in which Jesus comes as the servant to this woman who is like a bruised reed. She's like that, that smouldering wick. And she's damaged and, and bruised and, and broken. And yet Jesus doesn't, doesn't deal unkindly and, and cruelly with her. But he comes to her in compassion and he restores her and shows incredible love, immeasurable love to this woman and, and pours out the grace of God upon her life. He doesn't condemn her. He could have. He could have easily dismissed that woman. He would have been well within his rights to do that, to write her off. She was an immoral woman. He could have just cast her aside, but he refused to do that. Instead, he moved towards her with incredible gentleness and tenderness and restored her life, like the bruised reed being brought back to health and life. And that's not just something Jesus did during his earthly life. There's, there's story after story like that in the Gospels, but Jesus is still doing this today. Jesus is alive today. He's here today. He's with us. He's with you today. And he's the same servant. He's the same Jesus who was doing these things in the first century. And he's, he's doing exactly the same in the lives of people today. I want you to listen to this video testimony uh, by a woman in our church named Rose. And she tells her story of some really difficult times that she's been through and, and is still going through in many ways. And the ways in which, in the midst of those tough situations, she has experienced the kindness of Jesus. She's experienced the gentleness of Jesus. And as you listen to the story, hear those words from Isaiah in the background. And, and, and picture what Isaiah is saying and who Jesus is being in Rose's situation. Have a listen to this. Just over four years ago, um, my husband walked away from our marriage from me and our marriage of over 12 years. Um, as you can imagine, I was absolutely devastated and it felt like my whole world had shattered into a million pieces. And I remember <clears throat> collapsing in a heap on my bedroom floor and just sobbing when I heard his um, motorbike um, drive away uh, for the last time. And the grief was so overwhelming uh, that I struggled to breathe and I actually thought I was having a heart attack. <clears throat> and I was so scared at that moment. And I felt so alone. 
I didn't know what to do um, except cry out to God and just say help. And as soon as those words left my mouth, I just felt this peace uh, wash over me and these strong, comforting arms just um, wrap around me and actually felt like um, real arms that were holding me tight. And I slowly began to breathe again. And it was in the stillness that God whispered these promises to me that I've never forgotten. He promised me that he would step in and fill the role of a husband. He would be my protector. He would be my provider. And he was going to show me how much I was loved and cherished in ways that I'd never been cherished before. <clears throat> the following weeks and months were really hard. And there were days where I just struggled to get out of bed and um, take care of myself let alone um, be the mum that my boys needed me to be. I was battling these huge emotions of anger, grief and um, deep sorrow, which were constantly threatening to drown me. But every day I remember saying to God, I can't do it anymore. And he would always reply with, I know, but I can. He always kept my head above water and my eyes always lifted up to him. He was my lifeline and I slowly began to surrender everything to him and allow him to step in and take over. I started to experience joy again even when I was feeling really sad. Some days it would just be watching the sun rise from my bed and feeling the warmth of the sun on my face. Other days it was worship music that would speak directly to my soul. And I began to appreciate the special father-daughter intimacy that came from just being in his presence and walking with him daily. And soon the labels I was wearing of rejection, of being unworthy of love, and that failure that I felt of not being a wife anymore began to fall away. I was the daughter of the Most High King, a cherished member of God's royal family, given access to the fullness of his love and provision. And he kept reminding me of this minute by minute, hour by hour, every day. I just want to read a few um, journal entries that I've written over the years that just show the power of his love and tenderness for me October 2019. Thank you for keeping your promises that were spoken to me almost three years ago. You've protected the boys and I every day and I continue and continue to fill my loneliness with your peace, presence and hope. You comfort me when I am sad and draw me close into your loving embrace when I begin to doubt who I am. An abundance of wisdom is always available in all areas of my life, especially when it comes to parenting my boys. You are patient and kind when I get angry, frustrated and impatient. There are days when I don't want to read your word and you don't mind. You still find ways to show me how loved I am. The people you have surrounded me with are not a coincidence either. 
My friendships have always been a part of your plan and positioned in my life to encourage, support, love, guide and cheer me on. That blows me away. I am completely surrounded by you and overwhelmed by your goodness. Thank you that because of the Lord's great love I am not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22. 23. So there's an example of a woman who is just like what Isaiah is describing, like a bruised reed, like a, like a smouldering wick. And yet in the midst of that, she's experienced God's kindness. She's experienced the love of Jesus in some amazing ways, in some surprising ways, through his word, through the, the promptings of his, of his spirit. And this is who Jesus is. This is who he continues to be. You might be watching this this morning and, and you might feel like that bruised reed. You might feel a bit like that smouldering wick. You might see yourself in, in that story. You might be beaten down by life and something's going on for you that is just draining you and depleting you and incredibly stressful for you and just weighing on you like a heavy, heavy burden. Maybe you're just tired. You could be just exhausted this morning and that just empties our tank and it just makes us feel completely depleted, like we've just got nothing to give to anybody. You might feel like that bruised reed just, just hanging there limp. There might be an area of your life maybe that's just causing you real pain. Maybe there's other things that can often be going quite well, but there's that one area that when you get into that space or, or you're with that person, it's just so hard, it's so painful, you just get knotted up with that. And maybe that is just a source of, of real struggle for you. Maybe you're full of anxieties about something that's going on, something that's coming up. Maybe you're, you're consumed by fear about something. Maybe you're just feeling down on yourself and, and down on life and, and, and pretty hopeless about how things are going for you. And, and you can identify with what Isaiah is saying. The smouldering wick, you've kind of lost that glow, lost that heat that you, you used to have, that flame you used to have, that bruised reed. And you need to know this morning that Jesus comes to you as the servant to heal and to restore and to renew. He doesn't come there to hold a big stick over your life and, and tell you 10 things that you've got to do to get your act together. You know, sometimes that's how we picture God, isn't it? Like the severe taskmaster, like he's going to lecture us or condemn us, especially when we've done things that maybe contribute to the situation that we're in. Maybe, maybe things are a bit of a mess for you because you've made some bad decisions along the way, maybe one big bad decision, maybe a whole lot of them, and you just feel like, oh, there's, there's a whole lot of guilt and shame that's added to the picture now because of things I've done or, or cycles of thinking or acting or whatever it is that you're caught in. But you need to know, even in those situations, Jesus doesn't come to condemn you, just like that woman. He doesn't come to, to rebuke you and dismiss you, but he comes alongside you with incredible gentleness. And he says to you, come to me. You who are weary, you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. That's the offer that Jesus gives you this morning, that he wants to, to treat you with gentleness and bring that restoration and that healing into your life. And that may mean that times that you are incredibly discouraged, Jesus is wanting to breathe some words of encouragement into your life. Maybe there's just a whole lot of self-talk that's going on for you, which is really just self-rejection and self-loathing, and you're just beating yourself up with words. And Jesus would say to you this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to remind you that you're loved. I want to remind you of how cherished you are to me, that you're chosen, that you're called, that I delight 
in you. Jesus wants to speak those words of affirmation to you. In those situations where you're feeling huge anxiety, Jesus wants to breathe some peace into your situation. doesn't mean that all the anxious feelings are immediately going to disappear, but they can be transformed by the presence of Jesus as he inhabits that anxiety with you, as he sits with you in the midst of that situation that's making you incredibly anxious, and he sits alongside you there. He is the friend of the bruised reed. He is the friend of the smouldering wick. Maybe for you, you just feel completely alone and abandoned by God. And Jesus simply wants to remind you that he is with you. That God has not gone away even though you may not feel him. Even though it might seem like he's a million miles away, he is right there. And Jesus wants to say to you this morning, I'm with you. I'm right here. I'm closer than you could possibly imagine. And I'm here with kindness and gentleness to heal and to restore and to guide you. Maybe you're in a situation where you just can't see the way. And things are just really foggy for you at the moment. And you just can't see a clear path towards, towards the future. And every way you play it out in your mind, you just hit a brick wall. And Jesus would say to you this morning, I want you to wait on me. I want you to learn to wait on the Lord and, and just rest in the providence of God. And, and be okay in that space of not having all the answers, but to trust, as the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but just rest in the loving arms of Jesus. Maybe that is what Jesus is wanting to come and teach you today. For those of you that are just really tired, weak, exhausted, depleted, Jesus is saying, I want to lift you up. I want to give you new strength. I want to give you strength for this day to face what lies ahead of you for this day. I will be your strength. I will be your sustaining power through what lies ahead. Jesus offers us this kind of renewal because this is who he is. It's who he's always been. It's not just something he did once. This is the very nature of the Savior that we have. And the reason that Jesus comes to us with such gentleness is because he has been the bruised reed too. You think about it. He fulfills that scripture in the most profound way. That He became the bruised reed for you. He, he was literally broken and bruised, his body broken on the cross. He, he was that smouldering wick whose life was literally snuffed out. He went all the way to death. He, he fulfilled that scripture in the most extreme way possible. And he did that so that you would never be forsaken by God. So that you would have the assurance that nothing that ever happens in your life, nothing that's going on now, nothing that will ever happen, can ever separate you from the love of God because of what Jesus has done. He's bound you inseparably to the presence of the Father. And he's done that because he's become the bruised reed for you. So he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be bruised, to be broken, to have the flame snuffed out. So he can identify with you and he can empathize with you and he can come alongside you now and renew your life. But you've got to be open to it. You've got to be willing to open your heart to that because it's, it's so easy, I think, in times where we are exhausted, times when things are hard. We can, we can allow those situations to push us away from Jesus, can't we? Rather than drawing near, as we know we need to do, Sometimes there's something in us that just wants to run the other way. Maybe it's our own shame. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's just everything. It's too hard, too hard to read the Bible, too exhausted to pray. Jesus understands that. But he'd still say to you today, come to me. You need to come to him. It's no good just running the other direction. We make it 10 times harder on ourselves because we insist on carrying all these burdens ourselves when all the while God is standing there saying, let me carry that for you. I'm willing to share that. I'm willing to carry that burden. He is the God who bears our burdens, but only if we allow him to. 
Only if we lift that burden into the hands of Jesus. So I want to encourage you today, maybe those of you that are just, you're allowing your situation to push you away from the presence of God rather than draw you near to the presence of God. Make a different decision today. Make a, make a different decision about how you respond to your own pain and, and the darkness that you're experiencing. Open up your heart, hard as that might be, because maybe there's, there's darkness in there that you don't want discovered, but God already knows it. So open up your heart to Him. Be willing to be vulnerable before God. Just pour out your heart. Be totally undone and open before Him. And open yourself up to His renewing, cleansing work in your life. If you allow Him, He will come alongside you. He will fill you and begin that renewing work and take your hand and begin leading you forward into a, a pathway of renewing and healing. Even for deep, deep wounds that may go back years and years and years, Jesus is saying, I want to start to take you on a pathway of healing, start to show you some steps that you can take towards being renewed. This is what he does. This is who he is. He takes the bruised reed and he restores. He takes the smoldering wick and he heals and he breathes life. And the great promise of that passage is that one day, the day is going to come when the servant is going to bring about justice for the whole earth. That's the great promise. That's how big this vision in Isaiah goes, that the day will come, all of these problems that we experience, the stress, the annoyance, the grief, the heartache, all of that will just melt away. It's amazing to even think about, that that will just melt away, and all that will be left is joy. Just sheer joy in the presence of God and one another. All of our insecurities, all of our issues, they'll just, they'll just be no more. And we will be fully restored. No more bruised reeds in the new creation. No more smoldering wicks in the new creation. That should capture our hearts. That, that gives us an anchor for our soul that pulls our hearts forward towards that day. But even until that day, we still have a saviour who says to us, I am the friend of the bruised reed. And I'm the friend of the smoldering wick. And so I encourage you this morning, particularly if you're in that place of brokenness, whether just in one small way in your life or maybe across the board, you just feel like your life is a whole lot of broken pieces. Open your heart to Jesus. Open your life to the servant of Yahweh, the servant of the Lord, who comes to you with incredible gentleness and kindness because that's his nature. And allow him to heal you. He loves the bruised reed and he loves the smoldering wick. And he'll pour his love and his power and his peace and his grace into your life as you open yourself up to him. So God bless you and let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you that even now we can talk to you, knowing that you're here and you're with us and you're in the home of, of every person who's watching this this morning and part of our service. And we thank you that you are here just as you said that you would, would, would be and you are just the same servant as Isaiah describes. You are the servant of the Lord, Jesus. And I want to pray, Lord, for every person watching, listening to this message who just finds themselves in that place of struggle and heartache. And I pray that today they would know something of your kindness and your grace upon their life. Maybe, Jesus, in a surprising way that they don't even expect today, that they might get a fresh reminder of your grace, just a fresh prompting of your spirit, just a fresh word of encouragement from someone maybe they didn't, didn't even expect to get it. But would you remind them today that they are loved, would you remind them today they are held by you? And would you remind them that as they look to you, you will bring renewing, you will bring hope, you will bring a future, you will bring a way forward. We thank you that we can trust you with our lives, with our futures, and with our circumstance. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.